Welcome to Meet, Act, and Part. A Masonic podcast hosted by Midnight Freemasons Greg Knott, Darren Larners, Todd Creason, and Bill Hosler. The views, opinions and experiences that are expressed by the hosts or guests as individual Freemasons do not reflect the official position of any Grand Lodge, appendant body, or Masonic authority to which the hosts or guests belong. And now on with the show. Another exciting episode of Meet, Act, and Part. This is episode 61, and we're going to talk about social media and its impact on the craft and just some other general things tonight. So, but before we get going, as always, we'll introduce ourselves. I'm one of your co-hosts, Greg Knott. And I'm Bill Hosler. And I'm Darren Laners. Well, here we go. Uh, Happy New Year again, everybody. It's already February as we record this, so the year's bouncing right along. And speaking bouncing right along, social media keeps bouncing right along. It's always uh, uh, buzzing with all the latest Masonic news, you know, and things. And what we thought we'd do this episode is just kind of explore its impact, uh, intersperse that with some current events that uh, have gone on in Freemasonry over the last, I don't know, few weeks, months, and maybe really talk about how social media perhaps played a role in some of those things. And I think I'll just start off, Darren and Bill, and with one of the bigger topics was the Grand Lodge of Texas and all of its changes down there. And we're not going to really get too deep into all the dynamics of it, but from our topic tonight, there's probably no question that social media uh, and and Facebook, probably more likely in particular, played a, a huge influence on the decisions that the Grand Lodge of Texas uh, members recently undertook with their uh, communication. There's And, you know, to compare and contrast that to even, I don't know, maybe even 10 years ago, I, I think it's changed significantly. And so what's changed? Well, the speed of communication. I mean, the Internet's been here for a long time. Facebook's been around 15 years, but I think what we've seen is this evolution of the amount of people that are, for the most part, that's where they're getting their information now is 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 Facebook and other social media products and the ability for people to influence others and inform them. And then when they come together, I think that those, some of those decisions are informed by uh, the social media. So, Darren? What do you think? What are you seeing in in regards to things like that? Yeah, I'd absolutely agree. I mean, I was, it wasn't quite social media, but um, I was privy to be put in a Facebook messenger group that uh, had some brothers um, gonna are going to remain anonymous down there at the Grand Lodge and kind of giving play-by-play to a lot of uh, other brothers who were, you know, kind of interested in what was happening there. I think I think that uh you know there was definitely a lot of use of social media and all maybe alternate pages i.e. not grand lodge sanctioned facebook pages that allowed brethren to kind of communicate and express their opinions uh regarding changes that they wanted to see. Now, I guess you know we could we can I, obviously, I'm not a Texas Freemason. I, I'm not familiar with their constitution bylaws, but you know, we could. 
I guess, discuss and say, well, is this, uh, is this electioneering? It was this, you know, was this like a conspiracy to overturn the, the current Grand Lodge structure there? I think it was just brothers communicating and making their opinions known. And, uh, you know, every man votes for himself or votes for the for his lodge. And I know that they have different voting there. I believe past masters are allowed to vote as well as uh, current uh, members. So uh, I believe that, uh, you know, they've got uh, a different voting structure. Their constitution uh, allowed flexibility for the brethren to, you know, passed some pretty major legislation. Uh, probably one of the biggest piece was that they were ultimately forced the Grand Lodge to have the trial of the past Grandmaster Brad Billings prior to their election. And that really kind of forced both sides, I think, to come to the negotiating table once that legislation passed. And next thing you know, next morning, they've dropped the trial and he's going to drop his lawsuit and Harmony will you know, prevailed. So I'm sure that there was not the, uh, probably the outcome of the election wasn't what uh, the current office holders wanted, but, you know, again, not to get into the minutia of it, because I'm, uh, I know, I know basically very high level kind of what, uh, what was going on, but uh, I'm not, I'm not going to say I'm an expert of, of what was happening there, but I, I think what did happen was that you saw use of social media and its impact on how it can impact, you know, a, a Grand Lodge election. Yeah, I hey, think you're and, right. Hey, Bill, let me I'm ask sorry. you this. You know, I was sitting here thinking about it, and, you know, when you go back in history and look at old, you know, Masonic writings from a variety of things, there was some pretty controversial topics at times. And so it, sometimes it makes me wonder if just has Facebook really changed it or has and social media or simply the speed, you know, and, and the frequency at which brothers can communicate with each other, because, you know, there's controversies of probably peppered Freemasonry since the beginning, you know, and people don't like certain things in leadership. So, you know, the, the membership says we're going to change it. And they probably in the earliest days writing letters to each other and later calling each other and, and whatever. But I mean, Bill specifically, what do you what do you think? I mean, you're down that way. You you you're familiar with Texas, but how do you think social media impacted it on Darren's points, or do you think it's really that much different from a hundred years ago, except for the speed at which we do things? It's different, but it's not different. Because a hundred and 120, 150 years ago, the brethren would send each other circulars to each other's lodges. You know, a lot of times they were anonymous, just trying to either, you know, put something out there or even trying to put disinformation out there. But with Texas, I think the first thing was, is social media, they educated the brethren. I mean, over the years, as we know, since education and Freemasonry is remote in a lot of places, a lot of this stuff kind of was not told anymore. As an example, when this Ruhuha first started out, the brethren did not, well, a good portion of them didn't know. They thought it was against Grand Lodge rules to nominate alternate candidates for election from the floor. They thought that whoever the Grand Lodge put up there in a as their thing or the progressive line, that's what you had to go with. And many of us says, no, says, this is your Grand Lodge. You're the vote. You're the members. You have much as much right to post and put someone up from the from the floor as the people 
in the Grand Line. It's you have the right. It's your Grand Lodge. Contrary to what some people think is that you're just paying so, dues. And, I was going to say, and then the next thing was, is that it helped these guys get together. I was, in a way, I'm a little disappointed they did it because it was kind of the way I was going to end the 50-year member series. It was just almost just like the way things rolled out in Texas. But about 10, 10 years ago, I was belonged to a lodge and the old guys just, and the young people just fought tooth and nail. They did not agree on anything. The lodge was going to die because these guys were going to walk. And then somebody had this brilliant idea. Why don't we, you know, use our secret weapon, you know, the internet, and to get our Cells together and organize ourselves like the you know the current officer team had done in you know in the open. So they started a private group and they came up with their own list of officers, you know, a whole slate. And then they got together and then everybody voted in unison and they actually got their vote in just about what Texas did. And that's why I keep telling these brethren, you know, don't quit. You, your vote's needed. It's just because of things like this. And it gave the gave the brethren of Texas, and they tried attempted it once before, but it didn't work. But they gave them the second chance to really get themselves together. And I think they, the situations that's been going on for the last year was their rallying cry and was the motivation for them to actually pull together and uh, create change. But I really think that that's, you know, it wouldn't have happened without, without the internet or social media. Hey, Darren, I mean, you see all the vitriol all over every platform of social media. And so two questions. One, again, do you think it's really different? And or if it is or isn't, do you think that the vitriol, and I, I count vitriol as just the, the negative comments, the drive-by comments and everything, not just Freemasonry, but every kind of platform. And what impact do you think that might've had here this most recent case? You know, good, bad. Do you think the truth is coming out in some of those discussions or is it rumor mill or, and again, is it really different than it was in any other communication platform? I think uh, to your point, and you've, you alluded to this as well, is I think the difference is, is just the speed at which information can be disseminated. And I mean, look, I, I just recently, honestly, during their Grand Lodge joined this Texas Freemasonry group where a lot of this was, uh, I think, happening. I know it's not their Grand Lodge affiliated page. It's just a bunch of Texas Freemasons who have their own group. And I, I would, I would say that it was probably pro, uh, more pro change than keep, uh, keep the same guys in, in place, uh, just based upon what, what I saw scrolling back kind of in their history and that. I think, you know, social media, like anything is, is a tool and all tools can be used basically for good purposes or, or bad purposes. Uh, not to get into philosophical debate here, but, uh, and that also, you know, means information or disinformation. And again, I'm not going to sit here and, and try to disseminate what information was true or false in Texas just because I'm so far away from that. But uh, I mean, just on a broader, on a broader, uh, point of view, you know, how many, times do you guys see a post and you just kind of are like, this is absolutely ludicrous. You, you know, it's just, it's just, but you know, it's freedom of speech. And the, the, I think the downside of the internet is, you know, also why social or the downside of social media is also why social media was invented is to, you know, connect people kind of around 
not only with friends or family, loved ones, et cetera, that uh, maybe they're not able to, to see on an ongoing basis, but, you know, they can kind of keep up with the Facebook posts and that. Uh, but I think also one of the, the problems uh, with, with social media is that it has, I'll just say, I don't know, just to say social media or in general, just kind of media and just leave it in more generic form. But uh, what what I really kind of fear with with social media, and I've had this fear for a while, and as it becomes more advanced and more rapid, I guess, uh, is that I fear that, you know, to allude to your point where people are using social media for for their primary source of news and they're not sourcing what they're seeing or they're not, you know, researching what they're seeing and they're taking it as, you know, God honest truth. I think that it's led almost to a a dumbing down of our society in general. And that uh, not only has it led to a dumbing down of society, that it also, I feel, has led to a issue with, uh, you know, our intention spans. I mean, I, I, I'll be honest, I was just recently diagnosed with adult ADHD. And, you know, my wife would have said, oh, I, I knew when I met you at ADHD, but. Yeah, it's no um, surprise to either of us either. I mean. <laughs> but, uh, I mean, yeah, I guess when you're closest to, to it, uh, you don't, you don't see it. But, you know, I have to wonder myself, was this because I, I've, I've grown up and even, you know, I'm Gen X. I just turned 50. So I've not been in front of a screen for my entire life. Like, a lot of these kids are going to be for, you know, their lives, but I've been either with television or personal computer back in the day at a Commodore 64, you know, I've been, I've been kind of uh, hooked in with, with tech and in front of a screen. That's what I do for a job. So uh, I can't but wonder, you know, has this had an effect on, on why my attention span is the way it is. And then, you know, we factor in something like TikTok where it's just basically you're scrolling mindlessly and there's these little vignettes, I guess, for lack of a better term, what's that doing to our, to, to people in, in general. So I, I guess, you know, I, I don't want to sound like a Luddite, even though tech, tech is my job, but, you know, I think that there are potential dangers to, to social media and like, like any other uh, media. And, and I think that social media and, you know, has also allowed that the spread of uh, conspiracy and, you know, uh, this is coming from a guy who, who does a, a YouTube video with uh, another friend of ours where we talk about, you know, UFOs, aliens, Bigfoot, all these conspiratorial things, or these cryptids and that. But uh, I'm talking more, I guess, about the, the nonsensical, the QAnon stuff and all the, the nonsensical uh, stuff that you see. I mean, look. Look, we're at a point where a guy just recently, I think it was in Pennsylvania or Ohio, beheaded his dad and, and was live on, on camera on social media and showed his dad's head off because he was is convinced his dad was working for the deep state, la 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 and and that he had to be had to be killed. So I mean I, I'm just saying back in my day when I had to ride my BMX bike up to the library, uh I, I don't think I, I you know, I was enforced to research things and God bless the internet for having information at the tip of our fingertips, but I think there's something to be said and I think you better retain information when you have to work at it. I'll get off my soapbox now. 
Well, but then again, okay. you know, you could have come up to that same library and picked up books mm-hmm. on, you know, the Illuminati or anything like that. It's just, and if you didn't read anything else other than that, you know, that could have tainted your bias just as much as anything else. I think it, I don't blame the um, source as much as I do the content and the people that are too lazy to actually get out and look at anything other than what they want to believe. Of course, I've I've spent a lot of my life in libraries. My mom worked in one growing up. When I was growing up, so I was there all the time, ended up, I worked in a library, got a library degree, et cetera. You know, and it's one of the things they basically, they take you in basic training in, in one of my earliest classes in library science was just to learn how to disseminate facts. And it's not rocket science, what we were doing, you know, looking at original sources and this, that, and the other. But I think, Darren, you're pretty much spot on. That, that, you know, that kind of thing's almost a lost art. And, you know, sitting in front of these screens all the time, which I'm just as guilty in, you know, doing it too, your attention, I, I've noticed my attention span is much shorter than it was, you know, years ago. But yet yesterday, it's funny, I was out taking pictures. So I was in this along Lake Barkley, which is in Kentucky. And I, I would literally was in this place by myself. I'd walk through this bog in, in, in low water. It was out there just at the lake and there was geese flying in. There were ducks flying in and cranes and other things. And like, literally, I was just sat there for a while, just listening to the silence, you know, so to speak. And it was, it was amazing how quickly my mind cleared up, you know, when I was not sitting there distracted by all of these other things. And, you know, I think we, we've touched on this in other episodes over the last couple, three years and some of these topics, but I really think there's something that we need, you know, to separate ourselves from these devices. I, I've been, after I retired, I've been subbing at our local schools and you go in and, you know, the kids want to be on their phones. So you're trying to keep them off their phones just so they can sit there on their Chromebooks, you know, doing, you know, there's classes and whatever. And, you know, I've asked some of the teachers and they're all younger than me now. I go, you know, is this effective learning? And it is, but it's so different. Of course, here we go again, sound like one of the old guys. It's so different than, you know, 1984 when I left. Sometimes I worry about the depth of instruction, you know, uh, when you're just saying, hey, it's out in your Google Classroom. There's an assignment out there. Go do it versus, you know, challenging them to think. And I know the teachers, they do challenge them to think. My my glimpse of that world is very limited on being a sub. However, I still worry about the depth of knowledge that people are learning. One more story. When I was coming, I was coming through a, a town in deep Southern Illinois, uh, Cairo, Illinois, and I stopped at their library a few days ago. Beautiful library. Cairo has this really long historic history of being on the waterfront and it's went through a lot of troubled economic times over the last, you know, 50 to 75 years or more. Anyway, stopped in this library and I met this gentleman, an African-American gentleman, and we ended up talking for almost an hour and just a fascinating individual. He'd been a civil rights leader. He actually knew Martin Luther King and a bunch of other stuff, but we actually got on the very topic that we're talking right here tonight. And that was the attention span of young people. And he and I is concerned about, you know, if they can't go out and find it in 30 seconds or less, will it even matter? And in in that context, we were talking about history and, you know, history is, is facts, you know, and facts can vary. I understand, but it's just, we were, but we had sat there and talked for a long time about 
where are we going with all this and and what's it going to look like down the road and we were even we were talking about civil rights as a topic and you know how the further you get away from the the 1960s and this would be true of any topic but you know you just quickly forget and you know the ability to just scroll past it on the screens is just it's going to intensify, you know, as unfortunately social media, I don't think is going to go away. So to bring it back to Freemasonry, I, again, you know, and we've been what, as a group, probably the, the longest targets of misinformation campaigns in the country's history, probably. And whether it was in written form or, you know, uh, groups of men talking or whoever with each other, we, we've long faced this, but, you know, part of our, and we've talked about this in other episodes too. We, we never responded to it. And so did we ever do ourselves any favor? And so now here we are in 2024 and the speed of which it's infiltrated everything and how will society adapt going forward? Okay, so that's a lot of rambling, I realize, for people that are listening to us. But it just makes you wonder going forward. I worry about dissemination of facts, dissemination of good information, Ability for people to uh, read it, study it, hear it, understand it, more importantly, and not just be able to go out and pick their own facts. I think that's, to me, the most dangerous thing of social media is the speed, the logarithms, which basically feed you what you want to hear. And so you're reinforced all day long on what you think. Well, unless you're a free thinker, I think like the three of us. I can question things and, you know, that's why I read a wide variety of things, but come and bring it back to a Masonic example. You could go on a, either an information or a misinformation campaign and try to influence a Grand Lodge vote, you know? So I guess, you know, bringing it back to our topic of social media, it's very real on what it could do in terms of decision-making within lodges and Grand Lodges. Bill, what do you think? No, I think you've got a real point. I mean, it's kind of like whoever has the loudest voice and the most persuasive voice is going to be the one that people follow. And I think you're absolutely right in a lot of things, like the attention span. I've told people this for a lot of years. I says, go back and look for a, a new for a, a newspaper ad for cereal from the 1920s, 100 years ago. If you look at that, there'll be six paragraphs explaining what this cereal's like. Then you go to like the 1950s and you'll see it's like a 30 second television commercial. They'll still explain to you what's all in them and how good it is for you. But it's definitely a lot less information. If you get to like our our guys, you know, Jim X, we remember like Kellogg's is good. You know, us, like a nice little jingle will make us buy it. But now, you know, you go to and you watch TV and there's like the, the ad is a 30 second cartoon of a dancing Cheerios bee. And that's pretty much all you get out of it. There's zero information other than this bee dance. So it just keeps getting shorter and shorter to the point where I'm thinking it's almost going to be like a subliminal thing pretty soon. But yeah, I think it's just, you're definitely, you pointed out something that I had never thought about, about the possibility of, instead of something being good for the little Grand Lodge, we could put up something that's bad for the Grand Lodge. But all I know is that we're using it as a tool and it's something that we needed to have to help us change at least because we've been, whatever we've been doing for like the last 50 years, I've been working and at least we're starting to see some fruit and I don't know how else to do it other than like that. Hey, Darren, I'm wondering, again, I know we probably touched on this too in, in previous episodes, but at which point do we just all get so tired of 
social media and everything sort of wrapped around it, does it get abandoned? You know, it's funny being around the, the, the kids that I've been in school with, you know, again, that's all they've known. You know, they've, they were born, you know, late, late two thousands. And this literally is all they've known. And it's almost, I can sense a curiosity in them of a world without some of this stuff. They, you know, what their parents or, you know, I'm even older than some of their parents at this point, but you know, do you think, it's not going to go away, but do you think it'll ever turn turn get turned on its head and people just say enough is enough? That's a that's a great question. So I think like the platforms like Facebook, I think will be probably will will at some point die out or evolve to be more like uh, TikTok or Instagram or some of some of those where it's just more kind of picture based. So, I mean, to my knowledge, a lot of uh, I will say that yeah, I think the current uh, generation, uh, my kids' generation and, and younger, aren't really using Facebook. I, I, you know, it's us old farts that still use Facebook. Uh, you know, they're using uh, Snapchat and they're using you know other other platforms to communicate and share memes and ideas. Uh, it's you know just probably some of uh, I would say probably millennial upward that that are you know beholden to 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 Facebook. I guess let me let me ask you both this question uh, because uh, I I will uh, I'll share with Bill this interaction I had with his buddy brother Fluff. Uh, he was brother Fluff is uh, is a uh, Masonic TikToker who's gathered uh, a following of thirty some thousand people, which is pretty impressive. Maybe it's more than that. It probably is more than that. But uh, and he will go on and do these things, which are lives, where basically he's just live and answering people's questions. Uh, the, the God bless, you know, the idea, but, but what, uh, what bothers me is that I don't know that Brother Fluff is very well versed in Masonic history or, or those, those sorts of, of topics. So when you have, uh, somebody who is out there and not giving correct information to people that are, are seeking it, I, I guess, is that doing more harm than, than good, you know, to, to our fraternity and, and, you know, I, I'm all about, we have to guard the West gate and we have to guard the West gate. But my, my fear is, is that, and you know, I've, if you've read my material, you know, I've said this before, but the issue is honestly, is that we get this mixed message from, and at least in my jurisdiction, I feel like we get a mixed message from, from Grand Lodge where Grand Lodge is always preaching. They want more membership. Because we're chasing some imaginary number that that was an aberration that happened after World War II, where we had millions of men join join our fraternity because of the camaraderie, and, you know, missing the camaraderie that they felt in in combat and and sort of that esprit de corps. And Freemasonry provided that for them at that time. Uh, there wasn't really a lot of other outlets. I mean, there were probably other fraternal groups that some of them joined, or the Elks, or you know, Rotary, what what have you, but. I almost want, I want to say that a lot of the downsizing of Freemasonry, and I don't think that's necessarily a terrible thing, but I believe that it's occurred also kind of parallel with, with this, you know, these increases in technology to, to the point where you have, uh, you know, if you really, if you were agoraphobic and you really, right now in this day and age, if you're agoraphobic and you never wanted to leave the house, you could still survive. You have groceries, food delivered, 
you know, you can basically have endless entertainment possibilities with all the streaming packages, et cetera, et cetera, that, that are out there. And so I think what, you know, technology does uh, up until, I guess, social media is that, you know, technology was very kind of isolating, uh, especially, you know, back in the day before there were devices to record television shows, you know, you, why do you think MASH had a, had such, the finale of MASH had such a high viewer count, uh, you know, one of the highest in, in, in history. Well, MASH was at that time a very popular show, a cultural phenomenon, probably in our country and very popular program. And also, Nobody had devices to record it, to record that finale. So that was probably going to be the topic that was going to happen. Everybody's going to be talking about the next day around the water cooler. So you're damn right that everybody tuned in to, to watch the finale of that that show. Uh, I guess to my, my broader point is that as we've seen kind of the increase in technology, and we've seen technology's isolation of people. I will say that it's almost to the point now where, at least with technology, you aren't as, you're not isolated in that way, but you're isolated in in other ways. I don't know if that makes sense. But my point being that, you know, taking the MASH example, everybody had to be home for MASH at that time. Now you can watch whatever on the go. You don't have to be in one particular place, but you're still attuned to you know that device essentially we've picked up the television and we've made it small enough for people just to transmit it around now again you know a lot of communication in one's communities and decision making in communities were usually done at local restaurants coffee shops what have you and i'm sure both of you can can give me examples of you know remembrances of your seeing grandparents or your parents, aunts, uncles, you know, that would hang out at a certain spot. And that was kind of where they held court and their friends would be there. And that's how they shared kind of the town gossip. Well, you don't need that anymore. You don't need that interaction because of, you know, social media. You've got a social media group where you can complain about everything going wrong with your community and why you should have a community pool, fire department or or what have you. (laughs) And Greg will chuckle because he knows what I'm talking about. But so. Yeah, I I think, uh, you know, to Bill's point, yeah, we can use Freemasonry to to advertise Freemasonry, but are we are we getting the the type of guys we want? And, and that's where I'm like, yeah, if they're, if they're joining because of some, some guy on TikTok and no offense, brother fluff, if you ever hear this, but I just don't know that that's the right type of person we want in the fraternity. Well, you know, I mean, right on all of that, except, you know, you know, we, it's fine to bring people out there and bless him. I know Fluff, he's only been a Mason for only a couple of years now. So he's still got a lot to learn. So I think he probably should, you know, pay a little more attention and instead of being online. But I, I guess, and I don't, I'm sorry if you hear that Fluff. I don't mean it that way. I don't, I'll explain if I ever talk to you. But, but what we need to do is it's fine to have all these people knowing about who we are, because let's face it, all through time of memorial they knew who we were it's just that we didn't just open the gates say come on in boys we had people actually paying attention investigating and doing due diligence and they didn't just let every clown come in so it's fine to say no it's just we have to do our part too none of this oh well you know he might be a better man if we let him in or oh well, you know we need numbers or you know we're going to be closing lodge if we don't have anybody well that's bunk but 
you know, if, and you're writing a lot of that stuff, it can be isolating, but I also know that it can also be a tool. Everything that God's given us can be a tool if we use it in the right way. It's like you can use a hammer to hammer and nail, or you can use it to, you know, beat someone over the head. There's a right and wrong way to use it. And I think that a couple of years ago, we proved that with the epidemic. I mean, you look at how, you know, we started using social media to check on each other, to make sure you're all right, to get help for each other. We held Masonic education classes over Zoom. We did all the things. I mean, even you guys in Illinois could even hold some kind of limited um, lodge meetings on Zoom. You know, it's just we're not using our stuff to the great potential. And if we and sadly, if somebody isn't using it to the right potential, we don't do nothing about it. You know, I don't know what there could be do, but I mean, there's got to be, you know, if we're there's you know, a tool. I, uh, one thing I, yeah, one thing about social media, I was thinking about the Midnight Freemasons. You know, Todd Creason really started that blog, you know, really before the the heavy influence of Facebook. And, you know, he was getting lots of numbers and the three of us all joined at various stages later on it. The thing I always still like about the, the Midnight Freemason website is the articles can go more in depth and tell you more than, you know, the drive-by comments that are so prevalent in Facebook. and. I, you know, I still like blogs. I know their popularity is way down because of other platforms. And, but I just, you know, I've always thought our Midnight Freemason blog and all of our contributors over the years, you know, they bring a viewpoint that you just don't really get on Facebook. You know, be, you do occasionally, but, you know, or, or Chris Hodap's blog, you know, Chris, he'll put a little snippet on Facebook but it's redirecting you to the blog where he's given a more uh, more thorough and in-depth story or analysis or whatever the topic is. I guess that's, you know, and it still kind of goes back to those points we were talking about earlier about misinformation and, you know, verifying your own biases because the algorithm will show it to you. But, you know, social media has been valuable. It surely, it's not driven our numbers up. So I guess in that aspect, it, it hasn't worked. I do feel more connected with Freemasons across the country and probably the world because, I've met so many of them or, you know, I met them at Masonic Week and, you know, ended up being a Facebook friend. So we've been able to keep up with one another. So I think it's extremely valuable for that. But, you know, by and large, it hasn't driven the the vast numbers back to, you know, the 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 lodges. And here's something I was thinking about today. I, I was in a I took some stuff to Goodwill. So I went in there and I was just I always like to look at their books and I've just noticed how many Dan Brown books were, you know, in the Goodwills now. You know, time you end up at Goodwill, it's probably eight to ten years after or more after the publication date and you're pretty much history. And I just remember Chris Hodep either writing or talking about this or both one time about when the lost symbol came out, he's like, Boy, we better be prepared because there's gonna be so many men beating at our doors waiting to get in and well, it didn't really pan out that way. And so I well, just technically it did, but the well, problem was it's like pouring water down the sink. We didn't put well, a stop in there to keep them. It would have been a very short period of time. I know I know they well, didn't pound yeah, on I our mean, lodge doors. They wanted no. the lost symbol and we gave them grumpy old men. Yeah. <laughs> it's that's true. Yeah. That's a good that's and a great so, analogy, Bill. But I guess if you know, a book even that vastly publicized and it ended up at a even a you know, a TV series of limited success, I think, on, on it. But, you know, that didn't turn anything around either. And, do, okay, so here's this. You, you know, Darren, you talk about the West Gate. You know, really, we don't we don't have that many people knocking at the West Gate in, in our, you know, we get a 
fairly stream, fairly okay stream of members. And I think it's okay. I, I don't care if we don't have tons of people knocking at the door. I think we need a steady stream of interested, good, well-qualified men that we can come in and, you know, they learn from us and we from them. Mm-hmm. But some of them, I think, may have saw it on social media, but I'm not sure that was really still their primary influence for coming to you or not. You know, I think people join for various reasons. Uh, I mean, in in particular, you roped me into this mess. So um, if I ever blame anybody, you know, why did I become a Freemason? I could, I've got a person to, to point to. But I mean, all kidding aside, yes, everybody I think has a different motivation for joining. What what attracted me was honestly when uh, I knew very little uh, until Greg started talking to me about it, and I, I did my research and the the history and the philosophy uh, really kind of aligned with a lot of other kind of my own personal philosophy and, and the idea of self-improvement and growth and, and you know, the study of the classical liberal arts and sciences and all these things really, really piqued my, my interest. And, and so, so here I am, but you know, you have guys who are joining because their dads were, were Freemasons. You have guys who are joining because their grandfathers were Freemasons. You have guys who are joining just because they read the Dan Brown book and said, Hey, what, what a neat idea. I, I think back to Bill's point, the membership issue that we have, and Bill has alluded to this as well, is that I don't think we necessarily, if lodges were able, better able to retain members or, or empower members and get them on the same page and fired up about what they were doing, your lodge is going to have a better recipe or have a recipe for success, but everybody has to be on the same page and everybody has to want to put in the work to make that happen. So, I mean, case in point, you know, we've got a local lodge here in Muhammad, which now that I live in Champaign is is not that far from me. And I've quite frankly thought to myself many a time, as much as I, I want to continue helping Homer and St. Joe, I, I almost feel like, man, that's a lodge on the up and coming. They're doing a lot of stuff. It might be a, a, a nice place to, to, you know, plural up, up with, uh, see what I can do to, to help. But of course, you know... <laughs> Once again, I'm also deeply invested in these two, well, I'll say rural lodges for, for, because they are, I mean, St. Joe, even though it's a suburb of Champaign-Urbana, is still a very small rural town. I mean, honestly, Muhammad and St. Joe kind of were the twin cities, if you were, of, you know, where people who were commuting into St. Joe were moving in the, the mid to, to late, or to Champaign, were moving kind of mid to late 90s. There was a lot of development that kind of started in both towns. And I'll say, you know, Muhammad had, did a better job of, of improving their community and growing their community. I think they probably have tripled or quadrupled their population from what it once was, whereas St. Joe, uh, there's been growth, but it's been stagnant because basically the infrastructure isn't allowing any more development there. What what essentially is happens where you have a thriving kind of town like Muhammad and you finally got some brethren who have energy and passion and again are all on the same page and making things happen there and their lodge is 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 growing because of it and I mean I don't know uh you know I know people in Urbana but I was told the other night that Urbana's got like entered apprentices coming in left and right so these lodges are are 
doing something right. I mean, or I mean, or they're just not guarding the West Gate. I I, I don't know which, but uh, maybe a combination of both. But you know, that's I, I'm not a member, so that's not for me to say. I have no no insight into any of that. But uh, my point being that what you have is you have membership that is dedicated, and they're all on the same page, and they're they're excited to be with each other. And I honestly have, have believed, unfortunately, that uh, especially in, in, in our lodge's case, Greg, that we have membership that we like to, to meet, but we don't like to do a lot other than, than that for whatever reason. And Lord knows when I was master, I tried everything I thought I could try to get brother engaged in together and it just didn't pan out. I finally just realized, well, unfortunately, this is how the the culture of the lodge is at this moment. And uh, we either have to wait it out or, you know, or we'll, we're going to end up uh, closing the doors. And uh, we've made a little bit of a turn and I'm hoping we'll continue that. We got a new member at St. Joe finally after many, many years, which, you know, he's just seems to be so far dedicated to Freemasonry. He did his our last meeting, Bill, he did the the EA catechism. He did the the what we call the not the that we've got short form and long form. He did the long form, which wow. uh was super impressive because I had never mm-hmm. seen it. And I mean, I quite mean, frankly, I don't know that I could knowing what I the ritual I know, I don't know that I could even do it, you know, as well as he did. So I mean I was just so impressed by this uh he's not that younger than I am, but I'll still call him a young man that that he, you know, was this dedicated and chose that path and and it kind of really kind of inspired me as inspirational. So, you know, if we get more membership like that, we have to retain them. And that means you have to make lodge worth coming to, you know, either dinner beforehand, education, both in my opinion, and then doing things in the community and trying to, you know, be visible in the community. And then hopefully at some point you have the right bait, you catch the right fish and that fish will bring in other fish and you you can get things rolling again. But it really, really, really kind of boils down to you have to put the effort into it. And I think a lot of times we get to a point where you have membership and, you know, Freemasons do not like change. And a new member has changed or has potential for change. And a lot of guys in my experience will basically sabotage new membership just because they don't want things to change as it, as it is. And yep. I mean, I that's, say, that's, if you have positive energy at those other lodges where a lot of the times the sad. diamonds had the negative. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And there's a reason for that, but you know, we didn't do it there's that way absolutely a reason for that. <laughs> I think that's one, you know, Darren, when you talk about Muhammad and you had Vance Martin on, you know, four or five episodes ago, you know, he, he was a key catalyst. And I think, you know, others that maybe were reluctant to the change, either, you know, changed their mind or, you know, just faded out. And that, you know, he kind of brought a carrot carrot charisma to the group. Then he brought some others that joined in that. And then, you know, it's been infectious. We've seen that, you know, in our St. Joe Lodge years ago, we got it all going again and uh, things were on fire, you know, in our other lodge at Homer. I think you know, the thing the thing I like about Homer is it's good and steady. We're we're doing some education. We're actually still bringing in some guys. It's not this fast growth. It's not dying. It's you know may not be something where we're meeting you know weekly to go do something. But I feel we're on the upward swing on those. 
you know, Urbana, which is another local lodge, Darren mentioned it. Yeah, they've got 500 apprentices coming and I don't know if they're friends or what they're doing, but uh, I think it's a great thing. But, you know, kind of back to our social media topic, have any of those people came in because of social media? I know in St. Joe and Homer, that wasn't the case. Urbana, I don't know. But, but yet then again, at least maybe knew about us because we were, did have a, uh, a social media well, presence. So it's, it's like yeah. hot and cold, good and bad. You know, you get, you got to be there. You don't exist, but yet you, you get all the garbage that sometimes right. goes with it. You know, when you well, are I wouldn't be there. here if it wasn't. So I'll, I'll just internet. say for in for Homer's. Most immediate. So there yeah, we go. Had, Another reason why the internet's bad. <laughs> I had, I knew about Freemasonry since I was a child. As you know, my parents were older, but um, I knew one fella after I got older who was a member and I don't know, he just didn't seem to be that interested in, well, he, he was interested in me becoming one, but he never really told me where to go. And so one day I said, well, I'm going to look it up. So I got on you, Yahoo, showed you how long ago that was. I put in like Indiana and Freemasonry and the Grand Lodge of Indiana's Lodge come up or the page came up. And so I looked and looked for lodges in your area. And I said, look for Fort Wayne. And I clicked on it. And there was a couple, there was one lodge in Fort Wayne that had a website and I clicked on it and I just got, I don't know if it was like meant to be or what, but there were several guys I used to work with who were members of that lodge and their pictures were on there. And it's like, whoa. And so about two weeks later, I was walking into a truck stop and one of these guys come walking out of the restaurant as I was walking in. And I grabbed him and I told him, I said, the one thing I do know is I have to ask to be a Mason. And he said, he, well, yeah. And he said, we, he come walking in with me and he, you know, we sat and talked and that's how I got the ball rolling. I don't, so if it wasn't been for the interwebs and you know, the lodge having a website, I probably would have just said, well, it's been this long. I'll wait a little longer. Yeah, I think I, you know, I, I knew of it. It was because of a Masonic funeral I joined, but that spurred me to go at least, you know, keep in mind this was 2006 or seven. Yeah, you know, I was looking at the a web page, which was very generic, you know, got some information and it, it's what kind of intrigued me too. So it, it's like, it's, it's, I suppose maybe the moral of all this, everything has a place, but sometimes, you know, there can just be too much of a place or too much of a, of a thing. And, 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 you know, on the same uh, token of things. So I don't know. I don't, I suppose we haven't come to any great resolution in all of our discussion here. tonight. Uh, let me ask you one more question, but we yeah. do bring it up. They're good topics. I think to continue to talk about, I got one more question about social media and Freemasonry. And it's not been such a big deal lately, but it was a couple of years ago. It was fairly common. How do you feel about Grand Lodge is putting up code of conduct for what you do on your social media posts on the internet. Well, I, I I'll just go ahead and answer that, Bill. To until they start enforcing it, it's just a piece of paper. So, and in, in this jurisdiction, it's been a piece of paper. And to be quite honest, there was a uh, situation. I think it's been a few years ago now, where you know there was uh, a and he's still a Grand Line officer, made some disparaging comments on somebody's page and got basically called out on it and then was really kind of not not very brotherly to the brothers calling him and trying to whisper good counsel to the point where he got escalated to, to the Grandmaster. And the Grandmaster apparently had to take the guy aside and say, you know, look, 
uh, this isn't, you're a grand line officer. We expect to cert decorum and, you know, basically clean, clean your act up. But, you know, this, the, the beauty, I guess, and the bane of social media is that it allows everybody a voice and you're not always going to agree with that person's point of view. Uh, I mean, a recent case in point, because I decided to use some AI generated image for um, the last article on, on Midnight Freemasons, and it went on Facebook and other, a uh, Bill's social media, because he does a great job of, you know, making sure this stuff seems, and you could see why he's laughing, because quite frankly, it, it was that ridiculous, where I had people, you know, basically saying that I was portraying Freemasonry Ooh, in a sinister fashion yes i was being like i was basically perpetuating this illuminati myth by having this picture of uh basically men in suits of different nationality and then there was the all-seeing eye and the pyramid which i think you know led to the illuminati thing but uh, it's almost to the point quite frankly uh bill that i was at the point where i was seriously debating just saying bill we're gonna just get rid of social media for the Midnight Freemasons blog. And that's going to be that. If they want to sign the article, they can come and find us, but I don't well, need yeah, this that's headache. The thing that really grinds my gears. You know, there's all this talk about a picture on the cover, which is basically we, we use that to get people's attention. To, right. To it's it's clickbait. I'm article. not going to lie. It's clickbait. You know, yeah, the exactly. title, the title and the picture usually clickbait. Sorry, not but, sorry, but that's. But very rarely do they ever say anything about the article that if you they, know. That's why a couple years ago, you guys have wrote a couple things lately about it. And a couple years ago, I wrote that one part, Brother George Costanza and Midnight or um, Breakfast at Tiffany's Freemasonry, just for that simple thing. People will sit there and comment on the the title and the picture, but they won't even go in and bother to read it. They might throw an so, SMIB on there, but that's about all they get. Just and I just wanted to see how many people actually read that article. <laughs> <laughs> mm, you know, we uh, since we don't monetize that blog, we make no money off off the Midnight Freemasons it costs blog. Us money. If they would probably just put a square and compass where the Illuminati logo was, nobody. Well, they would probably because there's different braces in it. They would probably be upset about that. But for all practical purposes, nobody even said boo about it. Well, I'm just gonna sad. go. From now on, I'm just going to go with the, either one of the two memes I used for my leadership article, where it was the old Microsoft paperclip, or it was the it was um, Willy Wonka basically saying, <laughs> "Oh, you know, you want to comment? You're going to have to read the article." It was basically the the meme. So that may just be the picture going forward. Every article. And so be it. That might not be a I bad mean, idea. I mean, just you know, if, we, if they don't read it, it's not like we're out any money. Yeah. Right. <laughs> so I, I guess just a couple things, Bill, you're back to your question on this, this thread of it. You know, th there's times I, I cringe what I see out there, what some people post and I've probably been guilty at times. I've, I've pretty much disciplined myself. It's, it's hard. I've deleted stuff after I, you know, I, um, I use that as catharsis where I'll write something yeah. out and then I'll be like, Don't I have to delete send. it. I can't, I can't <laughs> hit send, but I feel yeah. better for at least responding without responding. Yeah. And you know, I can't I even guess... throw stones about putting stuff up there that I shouldn't. So, <laughs> yeah, I mean, you know, the social media policy from Grand Lodge, you know, it, you know, if you think about it, there's a, there's a line in, the 14th degree of Scottish right, which I won't get into, but it basically says we've got all these ideals that we stand for. 
and yet we can't enforce them. Only you can enforce them yourself on your on yourself. Exactly. And you know, I think that's one of the most powerful lines of ritual in all of the various degrees that I've been through. It basically just says, this is up to you. We can show you the way. We can teach you and help you learn and and all of these things. But it's in the end, it is up to you, you know, because what comes out either through the keyboard or through the verbal or otherwise, you know, and God knows I've been guilty of it, you know, because it's human nature. It's, you know, govern yourself accordingly, I get, you know, really is sort of the thing. And I think I'm better not, you know, I, I, here's, I think I'm better because of friends like you and others that I have in the fraternity that, you know, frankly, help me think about these things and say, well, you know, he probably wouldn't put it out there, so I'm not going to either, or I wouldn't reflect very well, or it could get misinterpreted. And so it does make me think. And so I, I, I think if anything in this fraternity, it's it's opened my eyes to so many different viewpoints, so many different uh, people from different walks of life. And that impacts daily how you interact either on social media or in groups or with your family or whatever. So I, I guess, you know, talk about social media, I guess it has impacted me because I've got friends all over the country that that I trust and, and, and interact with that also, even though a lot of times you don't really talk to them every day, uh, they still help you shape know, I me. I think you just said be right a there person. in a few words what this whole hour of episode has been, you know, is what you just said pretty much sums up the entire hour, what we've been trying to say. Those yeah. few short words. Yeah, and that's it. So, I mean, guess <laughs> maybe that's a good place to transition it out here. But, you know, just to kind of sum up everything, social media has a place. It's not going to go away. It's a fast, you know, viral communication method that I don't think as individual humans, we can fully grasp the the reach and the speed of it and so sometimes when we do put something out there and it goes viral because you know we've all seen that with things that people have put out there the govern ourselves accordingly that i was just talking about a little bit ago we should keep that right there and like in our mind or tie a string to your finger or whatever it is to remind us because all these short attention spans that the three of us probably have as well now it's like oh oh wait you know put the brake on you know, do it for a minute. Wise counsel. There's a couple, you know, Darren, there's a couple of faces that come to my mind of, of some of our brothers that aren't on the internet at all. They're older. And, uh, you know, I think, you know, uh, one from Ogden in particular, you know, I always just think he's giving me wise counsel at times. This guy is not on social media, zero. And, you know, I think about him a lot that causes me to slow down and think before I hopefully speak or think about how I interact with others. And his influence on me is probably more than he knows, but it is, you know, that's just something again as a benefit from this. But to, again, to so for me, tying it up, it is, I, I'll say, govern yourself accordingly, slow down, make sure what we put out there, and not just social media, either in the verbal form or when you interact with others is, you know, not just because of how you should be viewed as a Mason, but really more importantly, how you, you know, a good human being. Darren, yeah, and just, closing words? 
I was just going to say, just remember everything on social media is probably going to stay there for eternity. So if, you know, we're leaving basically our children and grandchildren and their children, uh, et cetera, et cetera, a a digital legacy, if you will. So uh, I would just say... Try to be a, a person that you're going to make, you know, your children, your grandchildren and their children proud of and not a man that seems ignorant towards various uh, things. So that's almost sometimes lost on, on brethren that, you know, we're quick. And trust me, I've I've done my fair share. I, I've uh, PO'd people, I'm sure. I'm sure there's somebody who has a people I hate list and I'm at the top of the, that list. And, you know, that's you can't please people all the time. You're going to probably rub some people the wrong way. But I just try to be me and be be authentic and genuine. And I think that's all you can be as a person and try to be that way on social media. Bill, what do you think? Any final comments? Well, I just, I never thought about this as pertaining to anything in the digital age, but long, long time ago, I used to have this practice. So I thought to myself, I thought it was pretty smart. I don't know if it was original or not, but I thought it was because I never heard anybody say it at the time, but I always thought to myself, I'm never going to write anything down that I wouldn't want my mother to see. And that pretty much, for the most part, has been has carried me well over the years. And I never really thought about it till just this evening. But that's probably a good way just to do what you would do on social media. You know, I mean, granted, a lot of that stuff, my mother would probably look at me like, what are you thinking? But I don't really put anything that she would probably not laugh at or disagree with either. But I think that's, you know, if all else fails, you know, use your common sense. Try to remember who you are and what you want to be and who you represent. And just try to be a good person. Yeah. We appreciate everybody joining us here on Meet, Act, and Part. Take a moment and govern yourself according if you're on social media. And if you have thoughts on this, well, guess what? You can come to our social media page on Facebook and leave us a comment. So until next time. It's another exciting episode of Meet, Act, and Part. Thank you for listening to Meet, Act, and Part. For more information about our show, visit our website at www.meetactandpart.com. While there, please consider supporting the show by sponsoring us on Patreon. Until we meet again, may we meet, act, and part.